I would like to welcome you to Emron's podcast. Today we're doing uh, at location at Lisa Bourse uh, little uh, HUD Geodome. Geodome. Uh, we have Mark Mark Beggs here. He's new to Emron's podcast. Um, Lisa's been to Emron's podcast wow, a long time a ago. ago. It was like a, a first few podcasts. I've done hundreds of them since then. But it's great to see you, Lisa. And you know, we didn't get to run. As much as we used to run, yes. chase each other in trail, we don't do that as much. <laughs> I've had a lot of fun trying to chase Suman, yeah. especially at Penhody. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But um, but Mark, uh, you've never been to Emron's podcast, so t- uh, just tell us about yourself. You know, you know, we we also chased each other for many many Southeastern Trail series and so many races. Um, tell us about yourself. Okay, so I used to be uh, a computer guy ten uh, or so years ago, and. Um, just kind of got tired of that um, that job, and I found an opening at Redmont Park. So I've been working there about 10 years now. And around the same time, I started getting more into trail running. I got introduced to the Butts group, and uh, they just kind of suck you into doing longer and longer races, it seems. And I uh, just kind of went from there. I've done several hundreds and uh, finally got in the Western States. Uh, that's a great story. So you have done... Uh many many of those uh what do you call back out ultras and stuff like that correct That's tell right. us about that experience yeah so um when the bigs backyard started getting more popular um i was really interested in getting into that uh that type of race and in, even into big backyard and so i found one of the bronze you know golden ticket races and uh, i just was determined that i was going to get in and uh, i did the trail of fears race in uh tennessee and i uh, ended up lucked out with uh, some bad weather and everyone else dropped out and I was the last person standing. So uh, I got my entry into Big's Backyard uh, 2020, I believe, because of COVID, I got rolled over in 2021. And so uh, that race, I was able to go 36 loops, which is uh, 150 miles. Wow, that's a lot of miles. And then I've done a few other ones, but haven't gone much more than 120 miles at any of the other ones. 150. 50 miles it's a lot of miles to run are they like all trails or road or i know david toss has an endless mile like you know they're paved they're uh typically they're big's backyard is half trail half roads it does roads at night and trails during the day gotcha. and a lot of the other races do uh, do the same thing but uh, some of them have a tendency to be all road or all trail it just depends on their course they pick Lisa, let's uh, let's kind of switch to you. Um, Tell us about how did you qualify for Western State? And it's been long; we haven't talked. And um, you've been running ultra for a very long time, uh, a lot of hundred milers. Tell tell us about the journey to get to qualifying off of Western State. Okay. Yeah, I think um, similar to Mark, I think I started about ten years ago running trails and. Um, basically what happened was I got sick of road running <laughs> and, and I, someone, I don't know, somehow I ended up at a trail run and I really loved it. Um, and then, uh, my friend Sally Sherbaji and Mindy Lipsitz, they were having a party at their house one night. And I remember where we were sitting on the front porch and one of them brought up doing Vermont 100. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do that. Thinking, like this is never going to happen, so I can just say yes. This is a, this is a party, yes, that we're just agreeing to this. We're all going to forget about it later, and they did not forget about it. And so we all ended up 
running Vermont 100 together. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was our first 100. That was and the first 100? Yeah, so it's a qualifier. It's one of the, I it may be the only one, I don't know, but they run the horse race at the same time still. Gotcha. Um, so the horses started after us, and we got to cross paths with them sometimes. But So we ran that, and it was a Western States qualifier. I heard later. I, did, I don't think I knew that going in. And I was like, I guess I put in for that. I mean, I don't know. And then it slowly became an obsession. <laughs> like, if I have one ticket, I want more tickets. So um, that journey started seven years ago. And, um, you know, if you count the COVID year, um, I've been putting in. I have six years worth of tickets, but a buy year during COVID. So, so seven years of since I started putting in. Let's talk about the qualifying for Western State. Uh, I know a lot of a lot of listeners may not know. You know, you you have to qualify for Western State. Uh, there's a different way to qualify. I think Mark, you got the golden ticket. Is that what how you qualified, or how, or did you run some 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 no, race? That, that was for bigs, um, but I, I ran my first qualifier was Pinhoti, um, okay. and I, I did that a couple of times, and then I was looking into also getting qualifiers for Hard Rock as well. And so I started doing the the ones that qualify you for both. Uh, Cruel Jewel, Bighorn were two of those. Um, and it's nice hard rock. You only have to qualify once every other year. That's so, yeah, I've, I've done uh, Pinhoti several times as a qualifier and then those few other hundreds. So so how many tickets you, you had? Well, uh, similarly, so I applied for, um, I think I had six years of attempts, 30. five years of... Uh, of actual tickets so i had 16 tickets to get in wow if you're lucky you get in the first first round that's that's an extreme cases these days i think that's one year we had like seven eight of them going that a lot of them are first time or and applying um one one thing i want to mention is not every every hundred mile is a qualifier some some are and some aren't so just if you decide to run for a qualifying make sure you check those some of the 50 miles also qualifier i think i think all 100k maybe some 50 mile it used to be i think it used to happen yeah i don't know i think maybe there's some but i'm not sure talk about that obsession you kind of mentioned about how i know i i mean i never got in that role and like you know i know that i had like one time when i ran pinhoti and i never applied and then second time around it didn't apply and then and i just let it go but i have heard people go for years and years and years tell talk about that yeah um shout out to donna errington i'm hoping she gets in this year um yeah once you for me it was like once i started putting in if you missed a year you went back to zero tickets Mm. now they've taken that rule out so you can miss a year and maintain your tickets but that kept my obsession rolling was okay i can't miss a year because then i'll go back to zero tickets and i'm building something here so the you know the way the tickets grow it's one two four eight sixteen thirty two sixty four so that's, you know, they're growing. Um, and if you're at 32, you don't want to go back to one. So now they took that rule away. I'm not bitter you, about it. How many years can you miss now? Unlimited. I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. you, if you have like 16 this year and then you miss like next five years, you still have 16. That's my understanding of the new rule. Okay. Just check that rule, guys. Don't trust us. Yeah, don't trust us. It's always changing. So, yeah, definitely yeah. check the website. And I want to say that the race that I ran this past year, No Business 100 as my qualifier, it was a new Western States qualifier. Mm. 
when I first looked at that race, it wasn't one, but I was like, man, that race looks cool. I can't run it because it's not a Western States qualifier. So yeah, that's how driven I was. I was, I would not run a race even though it looked fun because it wasn't a qualifier and I only wanted to run like one, 100 a year. Yeah, mine is limited at uh, Lake Morn, and we're not qualifier there. So, so not yet. I think it, the one other thing that needs to happen is that that amount of people they run. So, so definitely that's that's qualifying, guys. We it's a lot of lot of way to qualify, and um, thirty hours. There's a the rules for those. Just check that out. I just want to see how everybody, you know, everybody does differently and qualifying and keeping those tickets. And my God, I know I have friends who have done it and, you know, they're like, I cannot lose this thing. And it was especially, you know, they have, like you said, you run one or two year and then you will, if you miss that, if you don't finish that race, you know, you, you know, especially Penhody and Penhody, I think that's the last one. If you keep that Penhody is the only one, then, then you are in trouble. Let me say something about that. So, you know, I had done the double qualifiers and Penhody, uh, up until like 2019 then after covid i kind of I, I feel like my interest kind of dropped off a little bit i wasn't as gung-ho about finding a qualifier ahead of time and so i i kind of at the last minute in 2021 and i think in 2022 last minute signed up for Penhody. Mm-hmm. um even after i had just done like bigs and uh uh what's it the barkley fall classic and so I just last minute signed up for Pinoti and just luckily I did that because that's that's what got me in the Western States. Um, yeah, but that it was funny. The last two years, it just very last minute got in and was extremely tired when I got there. <laughs> but luckily I, I, I made it through and got that ticket. And uh, thank goodness I did because that's what got me in this year. Tell us about when you found out because the Western State Lottery finding out that's another painful every year looking for your name waiting for you to call i know how we have friends around in this town was probably listening to this podcast gone through this every year and be disappointed and you know tell us about that uh so now that i've already done it i'm going to share my secret that i went ahead and reserved an airbnb before the lottery it was my <laughs> first year trying that so i think that's the secret to getting in um i think mark and i were at the same place were you at blood rock we were at different eight. You were at an aid station, yeah. right? We were both at different aid stations at Blood Rock, and I was up at Peavine, and we were listening to it um, over the speaker, so everyone could hear the names. And then I was watching it on my phone, and I saw my name come up before everyone heard it, and I jumped up and started screaming and running, <laughs> and everyone thought something tragic happened, but it was really just I saw my name. I was very excited. So I like ran from that, you know, Peavine has the pavilion. I ran all the way to the bathrooms and back like as fast as I could. <laughs> I was so happy. Did you make sure, double check that that is your name? That is. Oh, I knew. <laughs> I was like, Lisa Boer, Vestavia Hills. There's only one. <laughs> yeah, I was down at a different aid station and I was just kind of looking at my phone occasionally at the, at the lottery drawing and uh i was just kind of used to not i know it's so hard to get in i was just over the years i was just like i'm not gonna get in you know maybe the year that i'm ready to get in i'll go ahead and get pulled so i wasn't really looking forward i wasn't that uh hopeful about it and i just happened to glance down at my phone again and there was my name and i was just like in complete shock and i was just like speechless it was (laughs) i was like (laughs) 
And it's like, it just flashed before my eyes, like all the things I have to do this year, you know, to get ready and uh, to start training again. Cause I kind of slacked off on training, but, uh, so yeah, it was, I was just speechless. I, I found the secret of, uh, getting into Western state, uh, volunteer for blood rock. So well, yes. <laughs> I was like, this is David what that. yeah, David Tosh's luck. I mean, he's, he, he brought that luck to, to all, all hours. So definitely go volunteer and maybe your name will get pulled. Um, let's kind of move forward in our discussion here, talk, talking about training. First, you, all, you talked about Airbnb. It's going to cost a lot of money to get there. It's, you know, we don't want to want to talk about money here, but it's not cheap. But definitely, you know that you're, you're about to invest a lot of money. And now you're going to invest the time as well. You're not going to show up at the Pinhoti roll from your bed and Pinhoti or Lake Martin. And it is a lot of investment, a lot of traveling. Uh, so, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on for everybody, you know, not only you, the family. Talk about, well, let's just kind of focus on training. Um, what kind of training did you have to put it in so um, that you would not fail? So we'll talk about failure later on. But, but you know, there's a pressure. So like, hey, then, go ahead and talk about your training. Me and Mark just looked at each other and laughed. I think because we both had, I'm going to speak only for myself here. I felt like this buildup was very non-traditional for me. I would normally wait a whole year between larger efforts. And I can't remember when. I think I ran 100 in October. I think no businesses in October. Anyway, and then I had already gotten into Boston so I had a marathon in April and then in May we had a trip planned to hike the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim so I knew it could technically all work out but it yeah my body was definitely it is ready to rest right now um so I did some marathon training in the middle of the block and then I was doing more climbing and um mountain training after that but Definitely my body is ready for a nice rest block now. Did you do all those like Boston and uh, Rim to Rim? Or did you do? I ended up doing them. Yeah. So Boston, um, I had a goal to qualify at Boston that I just barely made. And then, but I was super happy about that. And Rim to Rim to Rim, we ended up not being able to go all the way across because of some trail damage that they were repairing. So that was probably for the best. Um, I think we ended up with like 30-ish miles that day, but a lot of climbing, which was great practice and in heat. So, um, yeah, and then just, um, you know, finishing off a few more weeks of training. Um, but I want to say like 100 milers, it's like the cumulative years of training before I feel like all your – problem-solving experience and you know your body has um you know experience climbing and staying up all night and doing things that are you know take years there's a couple of things i, I wanted to ask but l- let's let me pass this mic to mark here talk about your training yeah so i'm not that great at structured training <laughs> in the past i've i've kind of just done like weekly group runs and weekend races and that's always been enough for the most part to get me through and keep me in shape um a lot of fun runs here and there several years ago we several of us did um it's called the brutes challenge it's uh, georgia loop and scar and um foothills trail you typically around 50 to 70 mile just fun runs and so doing those on occasion uh, help keep me in shape. And like Lisa said, just 
gets your body used to doing those longer efforts. Um, but this past year, uh, you know, I, I had like FOMO at the end of the year and signed up for like three or four races all at once. And so I did Barkley Paul Classic again, Little's Backyard, and then Pinahoti. And, um, and then I did uh, another backyard in March of this year. And um, so I felt like I had a decent base. And I, I, when I got picked, I was like, okay, well, I'll do some, I'll try to do some structured training. And then it wasn't, I think it was in March, I rolled my ankle pretty bad. And uh, it was worse than most ankle rolls I've had. And so I started doing physical therapy. And I think that did slow me down a little bit on training. Um, didn't quite get as much intensity as I had wanted. Um, I also sort of, I think I underestimated Western States a little bit. I heard um, a previous runner mentioned, I'm pretty sure I, she mentioned that uh, Pinhody was similar to Western States. And so uh, um, I kind of was going into it thinking, oh, I got this. And so I, I definitely underestimated some of the hills that were out there. Um, and of course, the snow really, really hurt us um, early on. After I got my ankle straightened out, I did a little more training um, as far as hill repeats and, you know, just kind of cramming, as they say, for a test <laughs> at the end of um, April, May. There's no such thing cramming for a test uh, for a hundred mile, correct? So, so I mean, there's and we talk about that all the time. But one thing I just want to mention, Mark, um, that I, if older I got, I kind of just roll from bed and think that I can finish a race. So, uh, you know, I, I think I got this, and then no, I, I haven't. I haven't done a hundred this year. I didn't finish one that I was supposed to finish, but but definitely. Um, Training is important. Um, you know, Western State people do different training. Uh, I remember um, Vanessa used to run this one. Um, and she used to do hot training, cold training, you know, all kind of things. I remember she was talking to him about all kind of training she used to do. But but everybody is different from training. So uh, Just on the heat part, I definitely at the end, it wasn't as hot here as it normally is. Luckily, we didn't have a hot year at Western. Western. It was not as hot as previous years. We were lucky. Um, but I would dress like in long pants and go running in the day, like, you know, long sleeve shirt and long pants and go run all the hills in my neighborhood um, and trying to run at the hottest part of the day. That was just some of that, my heat strategy. And eat right before and then go run and all of that. Why that? Why, why eat before? Uh, just to practice, you know, fueling your body, your body's panicking because it's hot, but also having to digest fuel at the same time. It's just good to practice what you're going to have to do at the race. Definitely. Um, I mean, you know, you, you you could try this for any race, correct? Just not the Western State. So, so definitely, uh, I do try to do heat training, um, you know last couple of weeks has been, I've been going out and it's wonderful because it's really hot you know people think that we are crazy but we, we, people would think and we have I have a race called hotter than hell so I gotta get ready for that so I've but definitely uh, let's kind of keep moving preparing to get to um, out, out west in California tell us about your preparation or what kind of preparation I know you had a big crew what about you Mark did you have a big crew too or uh, I just had uh, what four folks yeah four uh, so not too big of a crew. I was planning on volunteering with David Tosh out of Tahoe 200, and then they changed the date of Tahoe 200. So um, I had to shuffle my travel around quite a bit, and I ended up being out there a day early. 
Um, but I got the car and picked the crew up the next day and, um, everything worked out pretty well. Uh, so I rented one car. We had an Airbnb near the start and, um, the crew pretty much just planned on being in the car the entire day. Um, unfortunately, because of some of the uh, aid stations weren't accessible, there were only about four aid stations the whole race where the crew was able to meet us. Um, but uh, yeah, they just stayed in the car the whole way, and then we drove back to the Airbnb after the finish. Congratulations. So yeah, I basically was like, who was my dream crew? So I asked six people to come. And they all said yes. I thought some would say no, but they all said yes. Um, so I was super excited about that. Uh, my brother and husband came, and then Lori Lyons, Mary Campbell, um, Francis Carter, and Sally Sherbaji, who ran my original 100 with me. Wow. I mentioned her earlier. Um, so we ended up renting two cars, and they leapfrogged. Um, so one of the logistical things was that to get to our first, they could meet us at mile 30 was the first place they could meet us. They had to drive like 170 Mm -hmm. miles to get there. So they basically had to drive the whole course and then reverse it on another road to get to us, then take a shuttle of which a shuttle driver quit. And because I was slow, some shuttle drivers thought it was over (laughs) and like went home. (laughs) So, So anyway, so that's just some of the logistics with the crew, but we ended up with two cars. My brother was going to stay and climb after. So he had rented a car for that. And so we were able to function basically with like two mini crews. Um, and I had four pacers total. Um, I was planning on three, but I got an extra one because I got to an aid station when it was dark and they were would allow an extra pacer if it was dark. Pacer-wise, you know, what mile? I think they start like like 50 miles or... It was originally 60 that we were planning on, and then I picked up that pacer at 53 yeah. at Michigan Bluff. So that's when you have that kind of optional. If you get there in the day, you don't get a pacer, oh. but then you're... Doing great. <laughs> I was really on the struggle bus, so I was glad to get that surprise. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk about that a little bit. We're a little ahead of ourselves here. Tell us about all the big rock star you met. And the, you know, there's like, oh my God, this people. You know, I've heard, read his book, and he's here now. Tell us about it. It was really cool. I think one of my favorite um, moments was well, I got to meet. Sally McRae, Yellow Runner. I was very excited about that. Mary Campbell and our crew met Courtney Dwalter. Did Shauna meet Courtney too? I thought Shauna mm, did in sure. Mark's crew. Anyway, but I looked over. I There's this runner, Rory. Um, I think her last name's Bozio, who I love. And I was like, that girl looks so familiar. She didn't run, but she was just hanging out with like the other like kick-ass trail runner girls. And I was like, Oh, I think it's Rory Bossio. <laughs> like, I was so excited. Anyway, so that was really cool. I didn't like talk to her or anything, but well, it was like in a crowded area, yeah. And yeah, we had Scott Jurek and Hal Corner were at mile ninety at an aid station, so that was pretty cool. When you when you go to those big races in Boston and all this places, you get to see it like wow, you know, I get to meet all these folks. You know, I, I've heard about. A lot about Western State, a lot of rock star. They will come in rock star trail running. So tell us your moment tomorrow. Yeah, there was a lot of fangirling going on with my crew. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that not just your crew, the entire well, yeah, race yeah, yeah. was fangirling. Uh, it was funny because my crew knew where all the all the big new the big runners were, and some little girl came by and was like, "Do you know where Courtney DeWalter is? I want to get her autograph." And they're like, "Oh yeah, we know right where she is," and they took her right over to her. Uh, <laughs> but like you said, uh, Zach Miller was there, just hanging out. He was there like at start, the finish, during the race. Um, yeah, there's lots of folks. That's everywhere. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I want to do, and you know, I don't think I will ever have a time to qualify for Western State. Now, I, I think I'm just gonna fly one day and just rent a car and just drive around. Yeah. You know. Okay, can I just tell you something? Our crew discovered, or whatever, we just learned it while we were there, that the Western State training camp is fifty bucks a day, and you get to run like seventy miles of the course. We were all like. Oh, that's like a way cheaper way to run. If you just want to run the course, you don't necessarily want to do the race. It's a way cheaper way to like go out and just do it bit by bit and not feel all the pressure. We were all like, that sounds awesome. And sleep at night. Yeah, it's like camp for adults, trail runner camp. Yeah, I don't know where you sleep, but yeah. (laughs) I'm probably Airbnb also. Sounds like my kind of... uh thing so definitely i would like to go there and then kind of check it out one one year i'm I'm going i'm yeah. going i mean I, I talk about this western state almost every year talking to people it's time for me to go but yeah. usually i'm traveling with the family in that time of the year but tell us about the race race day you know you i, I saw your you guys a bib number on the poster you know that's another thing that t- take a picture kind of tradition of western state you know, had this unique uh, pictures, you know, it looked like, you know, mock shot, but, <laughs> but this is very nice. Tell us about um, the race morning and how, how, how did you guys get ready for the, for the big day? I tend to not get that nervous. Um, I just treated it like any other hundred and uh, just, you know, had my stuff packed the night before and we got there an hour early and hang out in the car and um, in the parking lot. Uh, we heard this ruckus in the parking lot. And uh, I later found out it was Lisa's, <laughs> Lisa and her crew having a dance party uh, before the start. <laughs> you didn't like, hey, you know, this is Western State. I'm, you know, I'm going to die here. You know, not, not those moments. I was like, well, I'm going to fail here, you know. Not a start. If, if we're going to die, we might as well dance before we die. Yeah, that, I true that. So definitely. So so Western State starts at dark, correct? Okay. Talk now talk about that, Lisa. Oh, yeah. It was awesome because, um, yeah, it starts at 5 a.m. You don't need a headlamp. The sun is coming up. Maybe some – I think some people wore headlamps, but I chose not I, I to. I used it for about two minutes. Oh, you had one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was using that uh, philosophy like one of us has a headlamp here. One of, one of oh, these okay, 300 right. runners has a headlamp. We'll be fine. Um, so it probably wasn't the best strategy, but – it lightened up very quickly and we got to so the race starts climbing straight up and you're going into the snow to the escarpment and yeah it was just really cool the sunrise and getting into the snow and you know just the excitement of the start it was awesome of course getting the snow from alabama you know we we all know how to handle snow correct there's a couple of things i hear about is the hot and the snow and the hills and, and off the Western State, especially the snow. I have interviewed many, many folks from who ran 
um, you know, Western State and talk about that snow, you know, sliding left and right. And I think everybody has similar experience. And, you know, some years more snow than the other, but there's always snow, correct? So for our year, there was snow up to mile 30. And mm -hmm, through mile 30, we had pretty significant snow. But there, I mean, it was on and off. Yeah, like it wasn't. But when it, there were really deep, thick patches, which I think I was like thinking it would be like snow you stepped on and melted immediately. Because <laughs> that's what we're used to. We couldn't use poles. We couldn't use um, add-ons to our shoes. There was a guy in front of me at one point who had on pink soccer cleats. And I'm guessing his plan was to change at mile 30. Yeah, so he wore soccer cleats through that. You could have shoes that had were created with, you know, spiky bottoms, but you couldn't add to your shoes. So, yeah, I definitely think I would have been a lot steadier with poles. At one point, I told my crew that the snow was my favorite part, and it was after the night, and they were like, you didn't say that earlier. <laughs> I was like, oops, I already forgot. I already forgot that I hated it. Uh, also, I fell in the snow and hurt my knee, so I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Ultra marathons and easier. Right? Yes, definitely. I had already forgotten. Yeah, the uh, the snow definitely slowed me down more than I thought it would. It slowed everybody down, but it also took a lot out of my legs. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania, so I w I'm used to being in snow and traveling in snow. But there's a lot of folks, obviously, in the Congo line early in the race that aren't used to the snow, and so you just have to kind of wait for them to to get on their butt and slide down the little chutes. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, it definitely slowed us down, um, wore out my quads. Uh, before the race, I read this article about the, the Western States killing machine, and it made me a little nervous about um, just how easy it is to run too hard early in the race, and then you have nothing left in your legs late in the race when it's actually runnable. And so I was really trying to be careful to save my legs. Um, and I got to mile 30 or so. And uh, the aid station guy was yelling to everyone, okay, you all better hurry up. You're on 30 hour pace. And I was, I couldn't believe I was that far back already. And so I had to keep an eye on my, on my timing at that point. Yeah. I was, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. The cutoffs in the beginning are more lenient. Like they said, don't use these cutoffs as your pacing guide because they gave you a lot more time in the beginning to kind of go slowly through all of the snow was, I guess, why. Um, so, yeah, it was, you couldn't really look at the cutoffs for a pacing guide. So talking about that, that kind of leads to one of the questions I really wanted to ask. I don't know if it's too early to ask, but I'm going to go ahead and ask. When, when was the time when you say, I think I'm not going to make this thing? It was there a moment. Was there a moment? I'm, I'm sure we all 100 miles go through this. I was grabbing the microphone from Suman. You couldn't see that because I'm like, oh, yes, I had a moment. My moment was there was it was night. I had picked up my second pacer, Sally. She was I knew she was going to be the deep night pacer. And we were going down some steep downhill. And my knee where I had hit it before was just like a sharp pain with every step on the steep downhill. Um, and that was the moment that I was like, oh no, like this could go sideways at any time. And like, I might 
not like my body might not make it to the end so I was really nervous during that section I also vomited for the first time in that section like ever in a race I've never vomited before um so yeah that those are those are my two moments that downhill and the pain I was feeling in my knee and then the vomit but you, you never doubt yourself that you'll you'll finish not finish correct I mean you know of course the pain is there you know, them vomiting, you know, that's, yeah. those are the things yeah. I do all the time. Not a problem. hundred miles is a part of my thing, you know, but uh, tell, tell us about it. Was there a moment saying, this is not for me? Oh, no, I never gave up. Like, even when I was vomiting, I was like, I'm going to keep walking and vomiting at the same time. So I was never in the mindset, like, I, I'm going to give up. I just was like, I'm just going to go as fast as I can when I can and hope that I make it. Definitely. So you didn't have that moment. I was. I was thinking. But some people. Some people do have those. You know. So it's like, okay, this is not for me. I'm done. You know. But you come so far. You know. You, yeah. you know. It's like. You, like they wanted to give up. Yeah. It no, per, I mean, I, I gave up at Lake Martin this year. <laughs> I did ask to take a five-minute nap from Sally, and she was like, "No, absolutely not." Um, some of her pep talks were, "If you run faster, you'll wake up." Or um, also, like, tiredness is an illusion that's just in your mind. <laughs> they were pretty good pep talks. Yeah, well, like I said, around mile 30, I realized where I was at pace-wise, uh, time-wise. And, uh, I, yeah, I got a little nervous. Um, I was I was kind of thinking through my head, like, you know, what if I, you know, what if I keep going this low? I, I know there's still hills left, and, like, I know I'm not the greatest on climbing. So, uh, yeah, I was a little nervous, but, um, and, and I'm pretty sure it was around mile 30 or 40. I felt like I had run 80, 90 miles already. And I just couldn't believe that I had still had that much further to go. And I was, you know, that weighed on me a little bit, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd been through all that before and I, you don't really think about it. You just, I'm going to the next aid station. I'm climbing this hill. You know, this is what I'm doing. And you just keep on going and, and you eventually make it. Yeah, t- tell us about the, a little bit about the course itself. Uh, we, we haven't talked a whole lot, you know. Everybody has different yeah. experience. I've heard many, many people talk about it. You know, we talked about snow. There's there's water crossing, you know, so on. Talk about the course. Yeah. Um, so this year, of course, the, there was snow planned for the first 25 or 30. It was, it was more intense the first 15, I would say, and then it started to be a little more sparse. Um, I was... I knew to get to be ready for the heat earlier. So I started scraping snow and putting it in my ice gear, um, probably around, around mile 20. And uh, that really helped, uh, keep me cool. I, I was actually chilly for a lot of the day race. <laughs> I was surprised with the ice gear. Um, but, uh, the snow was, it was a lot of places. It was just so uneven. It was hard to, even if you were, experienced in the snow it was just hard to to run straight you just were always staggering and stumbling um but the the hills were steeper than than i expected um ups and downs and so after a while the downs hurt worse than the ups and so uh that that was getting to me i was going getting a little worried about my quads i had worn uh waterproof socks plan on wearing those for the first 30 and uh, that worked out great because I didn't have to worry about anything with you know blisters or anything for my for my feet. What brand are those? Uh, Amazon. I, I don't oh. know. <laughs> well, I've never heard well, what of that. shoes were you wearing? Uh, and I was wearing my 
Speed Goat Fives, I believe, for the first half. Gotcha. Yeah. And so uh, there was a, a point, I think it was Michigan Bluff, where I was like, I told the crew I, I need to just lay down. I want to get my legs rubbed. I need to change shoes, change clothes. And uh, I knew I had to just have a, like a reset. And so um, I put on, I think I had, uh, what are they, Sakoni Exodus for the second oh, half of, of the race. And um, um, there was one additional uh, river crossing. It yeah. wasn't too wide, but it was it was between when I took my waterproof socks off and uh, like four seal. So my feet did get wet. I did have to stop at an aid station and have the medics uh, prevent a blister. It was it was it was closed, a hot spot, and so gotcha. they took took care of that. So that that was uh, fortunate that I chose to do that. So so, so talking about um, the course itself, um, you know, people trying to prepare here in Alabama, maybe Georgia, you know, in the southern state. Uh, we have been out here, Oak Mountain. Tell us about. What kind of things prepares you for a Western state? Somebody who's gonna, you know, get in next year or so. Tell us about that. Um, I was thinking about that. What was it? Um, Frozen Head State Park. Um, I think is would be a good place to train because they have longer sustained hills. Gotcha. Um, and you know, doing the Barkley Fall Classic, my legs were trashed after, and it was um just really long ups really long, long downs and i think that would definitely be a great training place yeah for uh me i just kept trying to do as many hills as i could i just, sometimes i try to avoid my running in my own neighborhood because it's so hilly but during that cycle i was like running as many hills as i could find in my neighborhood if i didn't have time to go to oak mountain which is a lot of the time i'd go to red mountain and just run ike loops i mean that's you know not the best but it it worked out okay <laughs> um i think it averages 180 feet of gain per mile and then there's more downhill like 220 feet of downhill per mile is 22,000 down um so just thinking like you know mark said running the downhill especially is you know, really important to practice. Even if you just go hike, you know, hike up yellow, white, and then run down it or, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Whatever you're going to do. But yeah, I think practice running downhill is even more important in this race. Um, I got to say my legs were, again, I may just be forgetting all the other moments, but I feel more sore after this race than any, um, definitely any hundred I've done before. Definitely one other thing I want to mention about downhill is I have uh, I've, I've experienced that. Um, I've experienced, you know, it's on the 50K, 100-miler, you know, those downhills are, you know, kind of training downhill. I can go uphill anytime downhill. It's just like, oh, my God. And especially night and downhill, it's just, just one of those horrible experiences. Um, hold on. It's almost yeah, we, we talk about the course, and here, uh, you know, it's definitely, I, I can imagine how Western State should look like or it looks like, you know, it's always magical. Was there a moment like that on, on that on that course then, wow, this is something I've never seen in my life and this is so wonderful. You know, you know, we have run trails. Sometimes it's everything looks the same, you know. After a while, you know, everything looks the same. Tell us about that 
that moment in a Western state? Is there anything that that you that's like you know unforgettable for you? Um. Okay. So definitely that hike at the beginning was really cool. I just I. Despite what I might have said to my crew, I really did. <laughs> Looking back, love running in the snow. I thought that was just really cool. I've never done that much snow running before. Um, and then you get to the top and it just opens up and it's really beautiful. Um, we did run in. There was how many miles were affected by the fire? Was it 16 or 20? Um, on It was at Mosquito Ridge. Is that? Um, so that... Um, was a standout part of the race to me, just running past the, you know, super old trees that were impacted by the fire. Um, it wasn't like exciting, but it was very memorable and it really, um, impacted me to run through that. Yeah. I took some pictures of, there were stacks of trees that they had cut down the stack. I mean, the, the stacks were probably 20 feet high and, a hundred yards long and the trees were, you know, whole trees stacked up. It was just amazing how many trees were stacked up and cut from, they just had to come down. They were dead already. But, um, yeah, those, those stretches through the, the burned area were pretty eerie, I guess you could say. Some of the last the things I want to talk about on, on the course itself are you're, you're running. Uh, tell us about your, uh, challenging miles so what are those challenging you know we we have after 80 we get a lot of challenging miles and when the western state you know in penhody it's that climbing the climbing the pinnacle is just this but for you tell us about uh what is the challenging miles in, in your experience okay mine was definitely even though it wasn't hot this year or as hot it was definitely the climb up to devil's thumb I was just really struggling. Um, I think my nutrition had gotten off and I was like, what is this? And then there was some really positive person <laughs> near me and they were like, it's not like this the whole time it levels out. And I heard him with a guy up above and apparently they had gotten to the leveled out portion. And the guy was like, Oh yeah, this is totally runnable. He was being very sarcastic. <laughs> he was like, who are you and why are you trying to spread this happy message? We are not ready for this. We're still climbing. Anyway, so to me, that was the hardest climb for me mentally and physically. And, and that's what mile, like 40 something. Yeah. So it's not great to be feeling that bad at that point in the race. Um, but yeah, that was a tough climb. Yeah, that's one of the parts of the race where I don't remember a whole lot. I just, I remember around mile 50 or so and thinking like I should be done already. So I think I'm just blocking all that out. But I do remember after the Rocky Chucky going up to Green Gate, I think, and even past Green Gate, it's like, it's just complete uphill and it was steeper than I expected. And so it was, uh, that was a rough part because I, I knew that the flats and runnable, the buttery smooth runnable stuff was coming at some point, but it's you know, you get to these sections where the, they say it's supposed to be downhill and then there's this huge uphill right in the middle of it. Someone at TNT asked me, we were wondering what happened to you and Mark after the Rocky Turkey crossing because y'all both slowed way down. I'm like, I'm like, there was probably a hill. So that explains it. That explains it. Tell us about the nutrition you talk about. You're having a good nutrition in a race. You know, then of course, we've got to practice doing, doing the 
at the race? Yeah. So for me, um, once I, I can handle like sweets and gels for about 30 to 40 miles. And then after that, I have to swap to savory things. Um, I rely a lot on broth and noodles at races and the broth that I had at the aid stations was not as potent. So I think that impacted me over time that it was, I don't know, it didn't taste salty. Did you have the broth? Okay. So yeah, the broth was not super salty. So I kept getting it thinking, oh, this one will be better. And it seemed kind of consistently, I don't know. I don't know what their broth recipe is. Um, I'd like to talk to their broth chef. But, <laughs> but so I think that ended up impacting me over time because I kept trying it again and again. And it was, I wasn't getting what I needed from it. Um, so, yeah, I needed to move on earlier from trying it. But I just was like, no, it's going to be better this time. I used more gels and like chews than I normally do. Mm. And, um, and I, I was okay with that. Uh, I did notice later in the race, maybe in the 70 mile range, I did start feeling like a, a burning in my stomach. That was like, eh, it's a little, I couldn't handle the sweet stuff as much, but, um, I did a lot of, um, relied on the aid stations a lot for like oranges, um, watermelon, potatoes and salt. Um, and I had my own other, other types of gels. Uh, my stomach's pretty reliable. It doesn't bother me too much. So I was just trying some different, those Chia Hum gels, I believe. The uh, Huma? Huma. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And then, okay, Huma. They have Chia and seeds then, uh, in them, yeah. I had some yeah. uh, Stinger gels. And um, later in the race, uh, they had some potato soup, which was just awesome. Was and that then, at mile 90? Uh, may have been, but also the best thing I did find, and it was, I think it was mile 90 or, or later was, um, someone had made rice avocado balls and you dip them in salt. Yeah. That was the yes. best thing. Rice I've avocado. Ever had. Yeah. Uh, rice <laughs> avocado balls. Never heard uh, of that. Someone made grilled cheese, avocado grilled cheese. That was my favorite aid station food. And I kind of want to make it right now. <laughs> it was that good. Yeah, I make it like avocado. Yeah, I have like different varieties of avocado with eggs, and I, I squeeze them. But never heard of avocado. What rice balls. Rice balls. That's yeah, interesting. That's good. Yeah. So, so how many drawbacks is station? How many drawbacks did did, did you have to put drawback, or you just kind of relied on? I, I did uh, three drop bags, just midpoint between when I saw crew, but they had many more opportunities for drop bags. Yeah, I ended up doing four, and it was just, yeah, places that I wasn't going to see crew, and they allowed a drop bag. That's good. Um, let's just kind of, uh, uh, you know, talk about coming to the city. Um, you know, once you get off the trail and people talk about, so happy to be here. What, what mile is that one? Uh, when you come to the city ball? 98. 98, really? I, I was I thinking like, 90, a ni- like a 90. Something. Oh, so, no, 90, you're still out. So, so mostly you you go mostly on the trails, correct? It's also it's all trails are there any roads anything like that? Was there a road section? It seemed like after one of the eight stations, I ran on the road. After for a um, was that Forest Hill? It was at night. Yeah, Forest yeah. Hill. Yeah, you're on the roads a little bit. Yeah, there's a little bit of road. Like a mile or something. Yeah. Okay, then it doesn't count. Yeah, mile yeah. doesn't count. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't seem very long. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, Mark is looking up the stats for us. Um, 
Yeah, the city of Auburn. Oh my gosh, it was so cool. They are just the coolest. Like they, it's a small town. It seems like a small town. And people were lining the streets like before you got to the to the track. Um, and they just seem genuinely invested in every person slowly, you know, walking by. I was definitely going slow at that point. And it's a lot of uphill until you get to the very end. And they just were like, you, you. And they would like point to you and make eye contact with you. Like, you're doing a great job. It, would, it just felt like a lot of positive energy in that town. It was so cool. Yeah, uh, I actually met a gentleman who, who ran uh, Endless Mile from from, from the Auburn. From so, Auburn, California? Yeah, yeah he, was, he was here a, few, a couple of years ago. What? And he was completely walking. So it was like, yeah, it's like I know this place. It's like, anyway, so Mark, tell us about entering into that you know famous little track. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. I'll, I'll let you start first. Yeah, the uh, the run in, I, I was actually feeling good there, uh, coming up the hill to Roby Point, uh, ninety ninety nine, um, and uh, we moved pretty well through the through the town. Like she said, everybody's cheering you on, and you get to the 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 gate, and they someone uh, a cameraman basically picks you up and starts filming you as you start around the track, and uh, but yeah, it was amazing. Like for every person that comes through, they're just screaming at the top of their lungs the whole way around um yeah it's it's pretty surreal and i, I saw lisa I, they had your video going somebody was recording so uh oh on facebook yeah yeah, yeah. Hey. i saw it later yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah they, they had they had their, you know i didn't get to see yours but some of the common we i got is like when did he cut his hair so it's just <laughs> 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 because i think you had long hair going for a while here the day before <laughs> my crew was like we saw someone who looked like mark wait no it was mark <laughs> uh, tell us about the, the hair thing yeah so i i uh, quit cutting my hair when covid hit and uh it's been long ever since and uh i'd been threatening in the past couple months that i was ready to cut it and uh, i figured it would be a good time right before the heat of the race um and so yeah i just figured i would get my race picture taken with the long hair and then go ahead and get it cut that day. <laughs> Surprise everybody race day. No, I didn't. Oh. Lisa, uh, tell us about your, your coming to that, that track and, you know, finishing jumping, you know, there was a, there was, you know, I was watching on the YouTube that <laughs> people are talking about you. Yeah, that was all adrenaline and it was, so fun to go through that tunnel of people like leading up the streets in Auburn and then at the gate um, I had like some of my crew with me they could run the last mile with you and then two Lori and Amory both met us at the gate Lori had somehow her shoes were missing so she had on work boots (laughs) and then Amory my husband who's not a runner but they both like jumped in and ran around the track. I looked over, I'm like, is Amory Boer running on this track with us? Like, this is heaven. Like, this is like my dream moment right here on this track. Especially, I think for me, since I, I mean, I think it was for me personally, just the hardest race that I had done. I don't even know that it was the train or whatever. It was just the shape I was in during 
it was more touch and go than other races. And so I really, that moment was just like, I just felt so grateful to have made it. And under, I finished in 29.20, so that's the golden hour. It's like uncomfortably close to the 30-hour cutoff. (laughs) But enough that I wasn't sweating too bad, but I was like, thank goodness I made it. Golden hour. Yeah, so it was really fun. I mean, it just a little before, uh, it was like 2840. Yeah. Those, yeah, they talk about that, the golden hours. And I, I need to go back and I'll read again. There was some posts I saw. It's like, I need to read about this thing. But now you talk about it, I need to go read. Um, now I see your buckle. I'm looking at your buckle. Um, beautiful Western State buckle. Tell us about, you know, you know, tell us, we talked so much things about so many things. Tell us about how do you really truly feel wearing that buckle holding that buckle tell us about it i was really nervous i was gonna lose it (laughs) i don't know why i think because i wasn't thinking straight i was like okay someone remember where i put this buckle i'm gonna put it in this backpack but you tell me later that i put it there um yeah they make you wait for a ceremony how long what time was the ceremony like the race ends at 11 and the ceremony is at two so, so you're, you know, Mark and I, for people who finish at the beginning, they've had time to take showers and get clean. Um, Mark and I also participated in a medical study. Um, and so right after we finished, we went there to, they did, um, you know, whatever their tests before the race and right after. So we did that and then you have to sit around for a while. And then, and then once you, your adrenaline has worn off, then you have to stand up and go get a buckle. That might've been one of the hardest parts of the whole buckle process. Just standing. I noticed Mark had a similar strategy to me, which was like, get up and walk around for a minute to make sure you're going to be able to walk that little across a small tent area. I cried a lot during this race. I definitely cried at the finish. I will say I had some sad tears during the race, but it was all happy tears at the finish. Well, it was it was definitely hard to stay awake during that hour or two <laughs> waiting for the ceremony there. I mean, even for the crew. I mean, they were, they were great, and they were just wore out. I mean, there were dead bodies laying everywhere and everybody falling asleep. It will not just hand out a book. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. You have to wait, and they'll they call everyone's name and read. You know, if there's anything in order. In order yeah, and um, everyone comes through individually, gets their photo taken. And, uh, but yeah, it was a, uh, you know, it was a long time coming. A lot of work, a lot of time built up to that one moment. Lisa, Mark, uh, thanks for joining here. We talked a lot of things about this Western State. Uh, it's a little technical difficulty we have. Hopefully, you know, this will come great. So we'll find out, but. Thanks for, uh, you know, inviting me to your little tent, hub, uh, uh, dome, geodome. Geo <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure to have this face-to-face. I haven't had a face-to-face interview for a very long time. I need to do a better job. So before we close this interview, give us a word of advice to those people who want to get to Western State, run that race, or finish first hundred even. You know, it doesn't even have to go to Western State. You know, those are of us, uh, you know, some of us struggling now to get back and running 100. Give us, give us a word of advice. Any, anything you can think of. 
from your experience from Western State? I think my uh, biggest advice to anyone in this process trying to do their first hundred or trying to get into Western States is to enjoy the process because, you know, um, to me, Western States was not as fun as the other races that I ran just as far as like how I felt during the race. The race itself was awesome and the finish was awesome, but, you know, really appreciating all those moments and all the training runs and all the time with friends that led to that was like, you know, that's what it's about. Just trying to enjoy the process to get there. Yeah. I mean, I'll say I would definitely go back. It's, it's, it's a first class run event. And, um, I guess it's like the Boston of ultras. Um, yeah, it's so fun. Um, but I would say like folks getting into ultras or into running, longer distances like i just tell people when you stop thinking that you can't that's when you start making progress and you i mean anybody can do it most anybody can do it but um just stop thinking you can't whether it's oh i could never run a 50 mile or i could never run 100k you can if you just just be persistent that's about it and i'm definitely putting in again next year (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure you have checked with your family so so (laughs) <laughs> so so definitely good luck for next year uh, who knows what next will next year will bring but this year i can see a beautiful buckle i don't know mark's buckles is still in the car so we'll definitely have a have another interview maybe next year or more group of pe- people i have so i have faith on our running community that been great to, you know to hear you know we, we're growing here as a trail running and seeing us going to far places and doing hard things is always wonderful so Thanks for joining this podcast.